Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Glad that y'all are here with us. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be as we continue our our study in in the gospel of Luke. Um, As you turn there, I just want a couple of other things. Uh, If you are a first-time guest, uh, here's what I'd love for you to do. Find me before you leave here. I'd love to to, to meet you, learn your name, have a conversation with you. If you got any questions about Willow Ridge Church, I would love to answer those. Uh, And so please take the time to do that. If you are a visitor, I would love to, uh, to introduce myself and have you introduce yourself to me today. Now, as we get into Luke 19, I want to lead off in this. All right, I'm going to be brief uh, today. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, right, but but I'm going to do my best, all right? I'm going to do my best to be brief, and, and here's the reason why. Um, we've got Hans and, and Brandy Ostrom and their family with us. In fact, if you'll notice on the seats around you, there's a prayer card, hopefully on all of them, and even some stickers that are there, and they are missionaries, missionary family that we support as at Willow Ridge Church, and, and Hans sent me a message about a month ago where they were going to be here in in South Carolina, which is their home state where they're from, that they were going to be here and wanted to be able to spend some time worshiping with with our congregation and and give uh, just some some encouragement, some thank yous, some updates on on what ministry is looking like in in Canada right now. I know uh, this this last year has been a crazy year for for all of us, uh, but when when you really look outside of a lot of where where other people were having to go through and deal with in other countries, uh, we really see that that a lot of places are are handling this in in, in a harsher way than we are. And the the Ostrom family has had to walk through that, not only in ministry, but just in day-to-day life as they uh, raise their family. And so we are, we are blessed uh, to have him here, to have them here. So uh, Hans will be up at the very end. So, all right, so here's some instructions for you, all right? So stick with me on this. I'll preach, close up, we'll sing two songs. I know that you're thinking at the end of that second song, like, I got to get to San Jose, all right? Pause. Hans is going to come up at the end of that, and then there will be plenty of chips and salsa for everybody at San Jose's afterwards, I promise. So just uh, patiently, patiently wait. So uh, Luke 19, I'll tell a story last night. Um, those of you who know me and know me well, you know I love my South Carolina Gamecocks. And you know that that relationship with my South Carolina Gamecocks is, is troubled at times. Um, and, I, and I love all things South Carolina uh, sports. I love all things Gamecocks. And so right now, if you're not a big sports fan or you're not a big college baseball fan, you might not realize that right now is the, the opening weekend of college baseball's postseason. And so South Carolina is, is hosting a regional. Even though we're not a one seed, we can get into that later. All right, but we, we are hosting. And last night, we were playing Old Dominion, who is the number one seed in the Columbia Regional. And, and it's, it's a tight game. The score's tied one-to-one. Old Dominion lost two-to-one. Broke my, they won two-to-one, broke my heart. But in the sixth inning, the, the game is tied one-to-one. And a pop fly is hit. And a pop fly is hit to the 
third baseman for, for South Carolina. And you can tell the moment that the ball comes off the bat that it is a high pop fly. Like this isn't a pop fly that looks like your dad kind of underhanding to you, you know? Like this is a pop fly that has just caught the, the top portion of those metal bats and it is shot straight up in the air. And you see the third baseman, you see him immediately call it, this is mine. And then you begin to see him move around and stumble and almost look like he's going to fall. And then at the very last second, he kind of regathers his base for his feet underneath him. And then the ball falls about two feet away from his glove before he could grab it. In my heart, right, as a guy who invests way too much time, energy, and passion into the athletic ability of 18 to 22-year-olds fell apart in that moment, right? I absolutely lost it because it's a pop fly and he missed it. He missed it. He is a D1 college athlete and he missed it. Now, he didn't miss it because his glove faltered. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but sometimes the, the webbing in your glove can, can stretch out and literally a baseball can fall right, right through your glove, but that didn't happen to him. He didn't miss it because his glove faltered. He didn't miss it because another player came up and, and tripped him up. If, if you ever played baseball or softball, like you know that happens sometimes, right? You're saying, I got it. The other player's saying that they got it. And all of a sudden you collide and you run into each other and the ball falls right there. That, that didn't happen either. He didn't miss it because he had to run a, a great distance. This wasn't a dead sprint to, 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 to shallow left field. This wasn't a sprint over to the opposing team's dugout and, and tried to stretch at the last moment. He literally, from, from the positioning that he, that he started out into the positioning where he was when, when he missed it was, was only a couple feet. If he'd have done this from the very beginning, he'd have caught it. So what happened? Been watching this team all year. This, this third baseman has, has phenomenal discipline. He's got phenomenal footwork. Everything about what he does show, shows great discipline. He is a trained Division I athlete. Why did he miss the ball? And as I'm going through all of this within five seconds and trying to, for, for God to redeem the moment for me, right? I heard the announcer come across and say, that ball went so high up into the lights that what he was having was a hard time seeing it. And because he couldn't see the ball clearly, he missed it. You know, it wasn't because he was lazy. It wasn't because he didn't want to catch the ball. It wasn't because he hadn't been trained and people hadn't poured into him. It's just that in the moment when his eyes were trying to be fixed on the ball, they got lost in something else that consumed him, that took his eyes there. And then that which he was told, that which he was instructed to have his eyes locked in on, he just simply missed it. He made an error. And it ended up not being the reason that South Carolina lost the game but in the moment, he, he missed it. Like, but what in the world does this have to do with anything, right? I think that there's many people, many people who may be here today, many people who may call themselves Christians, many people for, for thousands of, of years, that when it comes to Jesus and the gospel, they've heard, they've been instructed, 
They've been taught. They've been given God's word. But they've missed it. They've missed it. I've shared with, with, with you guys this so many times. That's the burden of my heart. We're, we're going to hear a lot about international missions and, and what God calls us to do and, and, and to go out. Like, like dealing with lost people and, and sharing the gospel is, is always complicated and, and context matters, okay? And, and so I've been to, to places like India and shared the gospel with people who have never heard the name of Jesus before. And I love that. And that's filled with, it, with its own difficulties and trying to understand and communicate the gospel. But then I also come back into a, a culture that if you've never lived outside of, of South Carolina or Lexington or even the, the greater part of, of, of the area of the United States, what we refer to as, as the Bible Belt, that there are people who would culturally align as Christians. There are people who within surface level behaviors would align themselves with, with, with saying that they are a follower of Jesus Christ or, or I love God or, or or, or, or something just in a general statement with that. But when it comes to Jesus and the gospel, their eyes have been distracted by something else. And in that moment, they, they miss it. They miss it. And for so many people, I had a conversation with a young man who was visiting our church after the 930 service. And he came up to me, and he was sharing a little bit about who he is and getting to meet him, and it was a wonderful time to meet him. And he asked me a question about myself, and it led me to tell him the journey of me, of being raised in church and for 22 years of my life completely missing it. Doing the things, going to the camps, making decisions, filling out cards, but yet missing it. And here's why I think so many people miss it. And this is what I want us to really work through this morning, and I'll get going, I promise. But here's what I mean, that for so many people, Jesus simply becomes a means to an end. They're told that hell is terrible and you don't want to go there, and that's true. And they're told that, that Jesus is the way for not going there, which is true. And then their response, their, their reaction to that is, well, then if that's bad, if he's the way out of the bad, then, then, then yeah, I'll take Jesus. If that's the option, then just give that to me. And then we, we walk away from there missing the, the, the fullness of, of the truth of the gospel. Yes, it is true that, that, that hell is, is not where you want to go. Right? That hell is eternal punishment within there and destruction. And that Jesus is the only way to, to, to be not there. That's the truth of it all. But there's so much more of what the gospel wants to do do in our life, of what the gospel wants to transform in us. And so what I want us to begin to wrap our minds around is we're going to look at a couple things this morning is that the gospel, yes, it changes our eternity, but the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of men and women who are found in Christ, it changes our today. Of everything about of who we are. When we are saved by the gospel, our eternal destination is changed, but also our current lives are transformed and the purpose of what God gives us is changed as well. Because when men and women and children are changed or are saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, our eyes and our hearts are open to the fact that we are a sinner who is incapable 
Not who can't figure it out, but who's incapable of saving ourselves. So what we need is Jesus, who saves us, who restores us, who redeems us, who brings us into relationship with God, who sends us the Holy Spirit, who indwells in us. I heard a pastor say one time, and I love this and repeat this so many times in my mind, that God loves you too much to save you from your sin and then leave you in it. And he wants to restore us so that the person that we were is no longer the person that we are. And so things in, in who we are and, and what we're about begin to change. Before we get into Luke 19, I just want to read a couple passages to you. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is the same person that he was before. No, if anyone is in Christ, Scripture says he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so here's my concern for, for those of us who would culturally just align ourselves and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Christian, right? Is that if we miss who Jesus is, if we miss what Jesus came to do, if we miss the commands and not the suggestions of the gospel, then we ignore all of this, and then Jesus just becomes the means to the end for us, and our lives are no, not submitted and surrendered to him in our life, and we miss it. So I want to ask you this question as we get into this. Are you missing it? Are you missing it? And there's been people who have surrounded themselves around Jesus for thousands of years who have missed it. Let's look at verse 37. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples, verse 40. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So I want us to look at one thing because we got to work through this, but just one thing w w within this. So uh, uh, the, the picture that we see is, is Jesus and the whole multitude of the disciples. So this is all of them. And, and, and they're walking and they're journeying with, with Jesus and they're celebrating him, what Luke's gospel says, because of the works they'd seen. So that's so like, as they're, they're talking around there, they're praising God because did you see what Jesus did when he, when he healed that man? Did you see what Jesus did when he called the dead girl back to life? Did you see what Jesus did when he cast out the demons. Do you remember what it's like to, to, to see Jesus when he, when he fed the thousands? Like you've got all of these conversations that are happening and that are taking place and the people are celebrating all that God has done. And this is like this joyous time within them of, of, of this. This is exciting. They can't believe that this is all going on. Now let's put this in the context of what is happening. This is the passion week of Jesus headed to the cross. And so when I read this, it seems a little weird to me. Because Jesus is, is headed to die. And they've, they've been told that. Jesus has said, I'm going to go die and be buried for three days and, and we'll rise again. And he's on his journey to the cross. And they, and they miss it. In spite of what Jesus had been clearly telling him, they, they, they miss it. And for many in that crowd... Judas included, 
in spite of what Jesus has said, in spite of what they understand, in spite of what they've been taught, in spite of what they've been exposed to, they think that their journey in Jerusalem is going to be this uh, earthly kingdom that's going to kick out Rome and reestablish what was there and go back to the time of David. And as different members, including Judas, begin to realize, like, this ain't what's going on, they're like, well, then we're going we're gonna to tap out. And so Judas sees this and realizes this. He's like, nah, 30 pieces of silver, here we go. Right? And they miss it. Because for so many, Jesus is, is just a means to their end. They, they, they've missed, take up your cross and follow me. They've missed, if you, if you love me, then you'll obey me. They've, they've missed it. And so for so many of us, what we want to look at and, and examine our hearts when understanding these next two encounters with Christ is asking that question, have we missed it? Is Jesus not the daily, the moment, the second, the very power that we live in, that we worship of who we are? Or is Jesus simply a means to the end? I filled out a card, I checked a box, and I did that, and now my eternity's secure, so this moment has happened, and that moment will be good, so I can just kind of live my life however I mean through here. And, and, and maybe if that's the way you think, maybe we just missed it. Maybe you just missed it. And, and, and you're going to understand the, the missing it, I think, by the way that we not only view Christ, but by the way we view Christ and the way we view sin. So look at verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he, he wept over it. I want to pause for a second. Um, there's been one time in my life that I've had the opportunity to have my feet on the ground and look out over a city. And it was in, in, in Jaipur in, in India. And uh, Jaipur is a, is a massive city, millions of, of people. And, and there's a mountain range that surrounds Jaipur. And, and on our very last day, we drove up to the top of the mountains and, and we, we stood on the top of the mountain. There was a palace behind us, a fortress behind us, and there was the city out there. And, and we, we, we stood there and, and we looked out. And, and at, at first, you're looking at the, 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 the 5,000 foot view of the chaos of millions of people. But then in that moment, you begin to realize the, the vast amounts of, of lostness that's there. There's no part of India that's greater than, than, than 2% saved. No part. And so you're seeing millions and millions of people of, of lostness. And I remember the impact of, of, of that moment. And then I look here, and, and Jesus draws near the city, and he looks out over it, and, and he weeps. And in, in a little glimmer of, of a way that, that God gives my heart grace, I can understand that. Verse 42, saying, would that you, even you, have known on this day the things that make for peace. 
but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. So here's what I want us to get. There's so much, and we can't do it justice this morning, but so much that I want us to see and understand is this, that the first aspect that we begin to understand about Christ and, and, and sin and, and our sin to understand is the mercy of Jesus. Jesus looks out over Jerusalem and the vast lostness that's there and begins to weep. He begins to weep because the fulfillment of Scripture, which will happen, the physical destruction of Jerusalem that will come, and in 70 AD, Rome comes and sacks Jerusalem and destroys it. But also with, within here is the spiritual destruction of all those who didn't see Jesus for who he was and what he came to do because they missed it. As he, as he walked and as he talked, their own agendas were, were filled their brains and consumed them, and they missed who he was. And as Jesus stands over the city and looks down and begins to weep, because he's like, as you're chasing this and as you're chasing this and as you're chasing this, you're missing it because it's me. It's me. It's me. And I'm here. And, and we see the mercy of Jesus. I don't, I don't know, Jesus had every right to stand over Jerusalem and say, you fools. Jesus had every right to stand over Jerusalem and, and lavish on the destruction that would come because of their disobedience and the wrath of God that would happen. But instead, he wept. He wept. And he continued his journey to the cross where he would die. I think so many of us miss Jesus because we feel that Jesus is just this God waiting to punish us, to catch us in the bad, to get, ah, knew you're gonna do it, punishment. But what we see here from the heart of the Savior who would bear the burden of the sins of the world is that when he looks out over the people, one day say, Hosanna, and another say, crucifying, he weeps. And we understand the mercy of God. Next thing, let's look at verses 45 and, and 46. It says, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you made it a den of, of robbers. So we're going to see two what seem to be contradictory pieces of Jesus, but, but they're not. They're not. These play into each other. So we, we see the mercy of Jesus, but also we're going to see the, the judgment of Jesus. And as we look and we unpack Scripture and we understand that there's the mercy of God and the judgment of God and that the goodness of God is found in both of those, that I don't want a God who doesn't bring judgment. Because his goodness and his holiness is found in it. And in here we see the, the judgment of, of Jesus. And just a little side note, but I think this points to something else that we're going to see in a few weeks. Sometimes I think we get, we get wrong our, the physical impression that we get of Jesus. I don't know about you, but, but I grew up in a church that had like really pretty white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus in pictures in their buildings. You know, like I saw that. And we get this 
picture of Jesus that it always looked like, I mean, I mean his hair was, was brushed out perfect, right? He was this soft, delicate little man. But I don't think that's who Jesus was at all. And, and I think Scripture here points to that. Jesus walks into a space, his space that others have claimed for their own. He walks over, he flips over tables, he drives out people, and no one does a thing. Now let somebody come to your house, and you're sitting down for dinner, and come up and turn your table up. Let somebody show up to your office tomorrow, and come into your workspace and clean your desk off. Let somebody go into your bank account and take from you what you think is theirs. How are you going to react? And Jesus walks into this space in the fullness physically of who he is and not through the power of a miracle, walking in the power of God though in this moment and, and, and flips over the tables and everyone who's in there, every person who sat there and sold, every person who felt like that was a claim for themselves, every person who lost money that day, they just scattered because of the physical presence of Jesus in that moment. Now, here's what I wanna connect with, with this for, for just a second. In just a few weeks, here's why I think this matters. Jesus is gonna go out into the garden and Judas is gonna approach him. And he could have laid him down, but he didn't. Instead, he allowed Judas to kiss him on the cheek in the betrayal and then to be handed over and led away. And as I, as I look through this, I, I think we begin to see is, is more and more of God pointing to what Jesus is doing as, as Jesus is living of obedience and the will of God as he's led to the cross. But we see the judgment of Jesus. Jesus comes in and, and, and attacks three things in, in this moment. Jesus attacks false religion. Jesus steps into a situation that is now religiously acceptable by the leaders who are there. And we don't have the time to get into everything that is taking place, but that, that those who are in charge are saying, yeah, that's all right, we, we can do this, we can live in this. And Jesus says, no, 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 because it walks away from the standard because these aren't suggestions, these are commands. So stop living in what you want it to be and start living in what it is. And Jesus attacks the religion. And I think for some of us, the, the, the tables of being overturned in our heart is, is kind of asking us, like, are we walking in here with the expectations of what we want, trying to live into the suggestions, and Jesus saying, no, 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 it's the commands that I, that I bring before you. Jesus steps in and attacks reputation. You know, these men that are in there, this is their business, this is what they're known for. Jesus says right here that they're a den of robbers. I see some small business owners in here. What if one of us got on social media and said, your business, is a th you're a thief. You're a thief. How would you respond to that? 
Jesus steps into that moment in their sin and attacks the reputation that they have that have been built on their sin of, and what it causes in that moment of who they are. But also, maybe in a way that hits home for all of us, Jesus jumps in and takes out some financial standing and begins to deal with the hearts of the things of those who have pursued. And I don't know about you, but I want to ask you, in your heart, in your obedience, in your drive toward the Lord, are you willing to be a little unethical, right? For financial purpose and financial gain. You know, like, what if Jesus, not what if, let me rephrase that. What if we acknowledged that God is with us while we did our taxes? Would we do them a little different? Would we be the person of integrity? And Jesus steps in and brings the judgment out. Jesus steps in at these areas and says, I'm examine this and this and this and flipping these over. And we see the judgment of Christ. So in these two areas, Jesus weeps over the sin that has blinded them to who he is. Jesus attacks the sin that is in your life, that is preventing you from obedience and following him in a day-to-day life. And my concern is my prayer for us as a church, my prayer for us as a body of people who claim to be believers is that within this are there things in this world that are causing us to not see Jesus for clearly who he is, to only see Jesus as a means to the end. And when Jesus steps into these small compartments of our life and says, but I'm not king there, and I'm not king there, and I'm not king there. And what is our response to him? Is our response, you're not gonna tell me who I am as he weeps over the sin and the brokenheartedness of the blindness that we've sold ourselves to. And my fear is, we miss Jesus. In close, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss the joy of knowing of eternity with him. Hell is real. Forever's a long time. Jesus is the only way. Don't miss him. But also this. If Jesus is a means to an end, you will miss the beauty of seeing your life live through the power of the Spirit. If Jesus is a means to an end, you will miss the old life that has passed away and experience the new life that comes to the gospel. And then really, if Jesus is simply a means to the end, are you even saved anyways? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity and time that we could be here. Lord, I thank you for the picture of what you show us as you reveal your heart more and more to us. Lord, may we be people who say, like, Jesus, you're, you're not just here for religious ritual. 
We're, we're not just here for what we can get out of it at the end of the journey, but, but we're here, Lord, so that we can know you more, that we can be transformed more, and we can be more like you. And then, and then Lord, what we have in that moment, Lord, is we can, can, can weep over cities as we look at the lostness of our, of our friends and our, and our neighbors and our family members, that we can weep over the lostness, Lord, of, of, of those who, who are all over this world who, who don't have the, the hope of the gospel, many of whom, Lord, do not even have access to the gospel. So, Lord, may we be like Christ and, and weep over them. Lord, before we walk into a room and think we need to start turning over tables, Lord, may we see the tables that you've turned over. May we, Lord, repent and stop trying to put the pieces of the table back together, but instead walk toward you. Or the beauty of the judgment of what you bring us is your judgment comes with warning of what you're calling us to. The life with you transformed by you. So Lord, I thank you that we are saved by grace through faith. Not something we deserve. It's not something that we earn. But it comes freely to us by you. But Lord, our response to your grace doesn't end when we check a box or say a prayer but Lord through the power of your spirit may we respond to your grace daily being transformed and made in your likeness it's in Jesus name we pray amen church don't miss it don't miss Jesus you stand as we worship him Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.